during late season, when deer are concentrated, they're on a fed to food pattern, they're going to those food sources. So if I go and check out 10 different food sources, whether that's corn that was left standing, beans, you know, uh, cool season food plot, and I'll find which of those actually has good sign in it because they won't all. And the ones that have good sign, then I'll start nosing around it and spending more time. And if I have a few weeks before deer shed, I might put up a camera and just see what kind of deer are coming to that, that food plot today. Hey guys, welcome to the National Deer Association's Deer Season 365 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, and this week we're talking all things shed antler hunting with one of the most dedicated shed hunters I know, Mariah Boggess. Uh, Mariah's a wildlife biologist, served as a deer biologist for both the Indiana DNR as well as the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission uh, before becoming a private wildlife consultant for Wildlife Investments, LLC. Uh, but beyond knowing just about deer and managing deer hunting properties, uh, Mariah is a hardcore shed hunter that spends countless hours in the late winter and early spring each year searching for shed antlers across the country. He's one of the few guys I know that actually go out on shed hunting road trips, which is a really cool concept that I'm sure he'll talk about here in our uh, our interview. So Mariah's going to share some of his shed hunting knowledge and tips with us. So we can all find a few more antlers this year. That's that's the hope. So be sure to stick around for that conversation. Hey, before we get started, though, this week's episode is brought to you by NDA sponsor Moultrie Mobile. If you haven't checked out their new Edge Pro cellular trail camera yet, uh, you definitely need to. The new Edge Pro has the ability to connect to multiple cellular networks. So you no longer have to choose between an AT&T or a Verizon camera. The camera will automatically detect and choose the strongest signal. Uh, it has a built-in memory, so you can say goodbye to, to buying and formatting expensive SD cards. Uh, no more forgetting to put the card back in the camera or having formatting issues with the cards. It's, it's all built in now. The cameras also have a half-second trigger speed, uh, near-infrared technology that allows the image sensors to see better and farther in low light while consuming less power. And best of all, it now features their new false trigger elimination technology, or FTE, so you can say goodbye to the wasted time and data of those false image triggers. So if that interests you, be sure to check out their cameras and their Moultrie Mobile app at MoultrieMobile.com. And guys, with that, let's go ahead and jump on the phone with Mariah Boggess to discuss all things shed antler hunting. Well, hey, Mariah, welcome back to the Deer Season 365 podcast. Um, I know you got uh, a, a lot going on these days, so I appreciate you taking time out to jump on here and, and talk shed hunting with me. Absolutely, Brian. I'm always down to talk about deer. You know, I'm a deer nut, but I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit crazier about shed hunting. And this time of year, I, don't, I can't spend enough time outside most of the time, but this time of year, I just, I just feel like the weather is prime. The woods are calling, you know, I, I want to be out there shed hunting, but it's always fun to talk about too. Oh yeah. Yep. And that's, Hey, that's why I got you back on here. You're probably the, uh, the most dedicated shed hunter that I know personally, at least. So, uh, yeah. And it's been, uh, you've been on the podcast before, but it's, it's been a couple of years. So yeah, I thought it was be a great time to get you back on here. It's, it's that time of year. And, uh, while I don't, 
I enjoy shed hunting. I don't do as much of it as you do, but I definitely understand the, uh, man, the draw to get outdoors and, uh, spend some time in the field this time of year. Cause I'm, I'm with you there. I've, uh, deer season has ended. I've been, uh, working on the honeydews, all the things that I put off during deer season. So, you know, you start to start to get a little bit of cabin fever and yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I like get like getting out this time of year as well. Well, uh, saying this, a dedicated shed hunter, that, that's like a nice way of saying pretty nutty about walk around <laughs> the woods for hours on end just to maybe find an antler. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I just, I just, I just tell everybody I'm going scouting and then, you know, the, the sheds are bonus, but, but yeah, you got, you, you can't help but look for them while you're out there. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you got, you got you, to, but. You learn a lot about deer just by being out in the woods this time of year. You can call it shed hunting or, or whatever, whatever you want to, but, um, you know, I've heard some guys talk about the value of, of postseason scouting, and there's a lot of value to it. I don't necessarily usually find success in fall because of sheds I found in spring, like the sheds exactly. But I find a lot of confidence in, in my late season hunting from where I'm finding deer sign and what is concentrating deer this time of year. So there, there is a lot of value to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm actually... Uh, as we record this, let's see, this will come out Wednesday. Anyway, the article, I did a postseason scouting article that'll be in our, our newsletter on Thursday. And yeah, that's, that's one of the things I talk about there is, yeah, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily looking for that fresh sign this time of year that's going to tell you where to be on opening day, but there's still a lot to be gained from, from the information that you get this time of year. And, and a, b- a big part of it for me this time of year, I just like to get out and, and cover new ground, you know, like learn some areas that, that I haven't been on before or learn areas that maybe I've hunted a little bit, but just, you know, get to know them better and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, lot, lots of opportunities to be out there this time of year and, and learn some stuff and, uh, you know, pick up a few sheds along the way. A few or a lot, any of yeah. them. <laughs> I never seem to find a lot, but but I, I, I value the the few that I do stumble yeah. on. So yeah. Same here. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> I'm I'm the guy that had a buddy of mine that he was a intern for me when I was working with the Georgia DNR, but he, he still gives me grief because we'd get out after work and uh and go shed hunting and uh, there was more than once that I stepped right over one and he had to stop me and was like, are you going to pick that up? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess I don't have the best, the best eye for it, but I think the, I, the more you get out there and uh, the more you do it, the, the kind of the, the better trained, I guess your eye becomes for it. Yeah. I, and I honestly, I, I think even if you're well-trained and this is what I tell myself so I can sleep at night, I absolutely walk by them. And I know this cause I found them in the past um, in a place where I had, had walked previously, not, too long before so i know i walk by them i i want to think that everyone it doesn't matter how well of a trained eye you have you might miss a shed a lot of that has to do with angle has to do with the weather you know it has to do with vegetation so many different things i know i walk by sheds every year and uh i don't know it's like one of those things should you know if i had zigged instead of zagged what i found one there or what i've seen it from a different angle it happens and um I don't know. It's always, you know, when it happens, it always hurts a little bit, but <laughs> it's part of it. Yeah. I, well, I, I just remind myself and I, and I don't have the data here in front of me, so I don't want to mess it up too bad, but I know, and you might know better than I do. I know Auburn did a study where they like, you know, got out there with, with, uh, got a bunch of people out in a, 
pen in a deer enclosure where they knew how many antlers should be out there and, you know, basically searched it as a big group running grids and still don't, you know, didn't find all the, all the shed antlers. Yeah. So it was so, a yeah, hair under 40%. They yeah, uh, the antlers they crazy. knew were there and they walked a grid. Uh, they missed it. I tell myself that all the time because, you know, I'll find one side to one and it can be a large one and you still never find the other side. Yeah, that's, that's frustrating. How's lying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we, I guess, dive into some shed hunting uh, tips and strategies, can you give the listeners maybe just a quick kind of a biological overview of, of what's going on here? What triggers these deer to, to shed their antlers to begin with? Yeah, so I think a lot of folks out there, you know, they know obviously deer shed their antlers in the springtime. You'll see across the Whitetails range that the timing of antler shedding varies somewhat similarly to how their antler growth, or I should say actually antler hardening and velvet shedding timing also varies. So for instance, where I'm at right now down in in Mississippi, bucks won't shed their velvet until well into September, you know, sometimes even the end of September, beginning of October, shedding their velvet. And so here where where you can still have a buck walk around in velvet and it'd be normal first week of October, that's wildly different from, you know, you get up into the Midwest, into Indiana, where I've spent a lot of time, where bucks are shedding their velvet right around the beginning of, of September, um, yeah. mid early to mid-September. And that kind of coincides with antler shedding. Uh, it's not perfect, but the way you have that same variation, you have it in antler shedding. And the reason is, is both of those biological processes are triggered by the testosterone levels in the buck testosterone being one of many uh different hormones you know in animals but the testosterone level um, regulates the antler cycle in bucks It, it regulates antler growth as antlers begin to harden that coincides with uh testosterone level increase and as that testosterone level increases those antlers harden, they shed velvet. Obviously, testosterone levels peak around the rut, the breeding time. And following the rut, those testosterone levels will stay up for a while and then they, they, they will taper off. And there is a threshold at which those levels drop that triggers antler shedding. Antler shedding is, is really cool. There's uh, specialized cells right there at the interface between the base of the antler in the pedicle of the skull. Um, they're called osteoclasts. You know, it's a cool fact to know, but it's not really important. They are these specialized cells that actually pull mineral out of that union between the antler and the pedicle. And as those osteoclasts are, are activated, that mineral is pulled out, weakening that transition there, the kind of the glue that's holding the antler on. And that is eventually what triggers antler shedding with that those osteoclasts pull enough mineral out that union is weakened and the antler pops off and that is the antler shedding process and then you know quickly after that hole in the deer's head scab over it will scab um, and clean or kind of heal from the outside in and as it heals into the inside that new bud of antler begins to grow and process repeats itself so Wherever you are in the whitetail range, the shedding of antlers might vary. 
down here in central Mississippi where I'm at, the first, the very first antlers are hitting the ground right about now. This is the last uh, couple of days of February. The earliest I've found a shed here right around the 20th of February. They don't really start shedding heavy until the first week of March here again in Mississippi. Where I used to live on the coast of North Carolina, I found them as early as first week of January, but they were really starting to shed heavy the last week of January. In the Midwest, you know, it, it kind of varies regionally, but it can also vary locally. I've seen properties. So like, let's say in the Midwest, a lot of antlers are dropping mid-February on, but I have seen properties and even more specifically bachelor groups that will hold on to antlers in one area and you can go five miles, 10 miles down the road and maybe all the deer there have shed. And so there could be some local variation. Usually that local variation isn't any more than from what I've seen. And I don't have a data set. This is anecdotal. It seems to be a week, two weeks, maybe three in local variation. But then of course there can be even bigger variation across regions that, that could be a couple of months. So that's that's the antler shedding process. And that timing is very important. As we get into talking about strategy, timing is everything with antlers, you know, shed hunting. You can find antlers any time of the year, but they're you're you're a lot more likely to find them from about the peak of antler shedding to a few weeks after. Yeah. Yeah, it's man, it's an amazing process if you really stop to to think about it, man, that, that they're growing, especially a big mature buck. You know, growing that that big set of antlers in the short amount of time that it it really takes to do so, and uh, you know, we as we as deer hunters kind of take it for granted, but it you know, there's a lot of a lot of people out there, the general public, that don't even realize that those deer are dropping their antlers and growing new ones every year. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of surprises me, you know, when I catch myself talking to somebody about it that's not a deer hunter or you know, not necessarily a a wildlife type person, and man, they're absolutely floored that that deer lose their antlers and grow new ones right yeah it, it's one of those little things that is so cool and probably underappreciated you know about yeah. here yeah well with all that in mind um when do you traditionally start looking for sheds it all depends on on where i'm at so <laughs> um like i was talking about with timing there out so i've lived in different areas lived in the mountains of north carolina coast of north carolina Mississippi, Indiana, South Central Indiana. Um, I've kind of lived in, in several of these different regions, and they each have had a quite different shed dropping period, um, just either a few weeks off, month off, whatnot. What I have tried to do, and this is kind of what I've settled on, is, is probably the, the best approach is, you know, if I'm new to an area or just trying to figure out when deer shed, is run a bunch of cameras. And you've got to get bachelor groups on, on camera to be able to know if they're, they're shedding. And to be able to find antlers, you've got to have bachelor groups. But once I identify when the bulk of, of deer are shedding, then I'll start looking. You know, and, and then I'll look until spring green up stops me or I run out of good spots to look. So really, on the back end, what you're limited by is, is spring green up and it just getting too warm to enjoy walking as much. You know, those are the things that get you out of the woods. In the future, so let's say like where I'm at here in Mississippi, I know that bucks will start shedding good probably the first week of March. If I had the time this week, I would start getting out, you know, the week before. And I, you know, and that's to get out to start looking for antlers. I've already been out looking, really shed scouting is kind of what I call it for the last <laughs> month. 
a little bit more than a month. And I've already found a bunch of antlers and I've traveled a little bit to some places that are already dropping. I found 19 so far this year. Part of those, a, a good handful of those, I found old ones walking areas that I'm going to walk here in the next two or three weeks. And I do that shed scouting for a couple of reasons. You know, here in the, in the deep south, March, man, as soon as March comes, like it, it starts greening up. We've got about a week here before it really starts greening up. The, the, the Bradford pears are blooming around town today. Um, that just started. Yeah. So it is upon us. And I will, because, you know, I work full time, I, I will only have a handful of days that I can get out and shed hunt during those prime days, which means that when those prime days come, I have to have it dialed as to where I'm going to go. If I'm going to find, you know, the best antlers, the ones I'm looking for, all of that. And part of that plays into if I'm walking an area where other people might shed hunt, uh, you know, this is be a public area um, or even private ground. I have permission to if other people are going to be out there turkey hunting, I, I, I'd rather go out there and get a, you know, get a chance at finding those sheds first. I want to have those deer kind of nailed down. So that shed scouting is really important to me to, if I can, identify where there's a lot of deer use late winter. If I'm running cameras, that's the best because then I can identify where there might be bachelor groups um, and figure out where it's worth my time to come back and invest, you know, a lot of my day walking. But shed scouting is, you know, for me, that starts pretty much immediately after deer season. I usually will take a break of a week or two just to catch up on whatever work I was, I was, uh, pushing to the side as I finished out deer season, <laughs> but then I will start taking my time and, and, and start shed scouting. So kind of answer that question. I mean, immediately when I get the chance, I'm out there looking. And I, I think if you want to maximize the number of sheds, you're going to find that's the best way to do it. Again, it's, it's very time dependent. And through that shed scouting, through running cameras, you'll figure out when you need to actually start looking for sheds in earnest, um, which is when you'll start going back to areas where, you know, there's bucks, uh, maybe grid bedding areas. I don't necessarily do that a lot, but sometimes it is the right call. Um, and then just visiting food sources. So that's kind of the, the long-winded answer to a, a, what would be a short question. But that, that you know, that timing bit, it just varies so much for everybody. I, I can't give a good answer because someone in Wisconsin versus someone in West Virginia versus Georgia, it's going to be, you're going to be weeks different. And you kind of got to figure that out locally. Right. You basically, yeah, you, you let your intel dictate when when you need to be out there, your 100%. trail camera intel. And, and if you yeah. if you got buddies or know someone who shed hunts locally, look at when they start posting pictures of antlers. <laughs> I, <laughs> whenever I, and, you know, whenever I travel to a new area, I'm not ashamed of this one bit because I do the same thing. I post some sometimes I don't post many pictures, but sometimes I'll post pictures of sheds. And I'm super jacked up about it. So other people do the same. If I move to a new area or I'm in a new area shed hunting, if I go on a trip and I'm going to shed hunt, I will find people that I know are good shed hunters in that area and look at the date they're posting photos and figure out when the antlers are dropping. And I don't think there's any shame to that. It's public information. <laughs> they're wanting that's to share right. with you. So that's a good way to figure it out, you know, especially early on when you're trying to, to nail down the timing in your area. Yeah. Well, man. You already found nineteen and haven't even really started yet. That's that's more. I'm sure that is more than than I'll find the entire <laughs> shed shed season here. So, uh, yeah, that's that seems like a a pretty solid start. Well, well, I guess what's the difference between or, or how does it 
how is it different the the shed scouting versus shed hunting what are, what are you doing differently i guess there <clears throat> so with shed scouting if i have say i've got three areas that over the years have been good like i found sheds there there's generally a bachelor group when i go to shed scout if if I know an area is already going to be good, I generally will just go put up a camera there just to kind of get an idea of what's there this year. And then shed scouting for the rest of that period through January, January, February, whatever it is, I will kind of have a running list in my head of all the new areas I want to check out. These are areas that like I've, I've never had a chance to shed hunt or maybe I only walked them once and didn't find anything. I've got reason to believe it might be better. And I'll start hitting those areas. And I'm looking for a couple things. I'm looking for good late season deer sign. I'm also just looking for old antlers that would tell me that bucks have wintered there before and, and shed antlers. And so I'll run through, say I've got 10 of these new areas I want to check out. And I go through them all in January and I figure out that two of them are worth investing more time into. I'll come back to those two during my best shed hunting window. And those other eight, I may never come back to again. And so that to me, that's the big difference because when it's shed hunting season, I want to be going to areas that I have a really high expectation that I'm going to find antlers. Like I've got years before that I found antlers there, or I have recent intel that says there's bucks wintering there that are that are shedding. And then, you know, and then from there, sometimes I kind of get to that quote unquote shed scouting stage again. If I work through all my good stuff and I still have a little time. Um, before it gets too green, I'll do some of that same kind of high level scouting where I'm, I'm just walking straight lines essentially through different t- patches of cover that I think look good and hoping that I walk into a bachelor group and then start finding antlers. But I think that's just the difference to me is like the concerted effort that shed hunting when it's prime time, I want to be in an area where I'm going to find sheds and I know that I'm going to find sheds. And honestly, every year I've always, I'm always looking to add more of those areas because there's never enough. Like I I always hit that stage during shed season where I'm just kind of trying new things, throwing mud at the wall and seeing if it sticks. And that rarely produces very good shed hunts. It's nothing like an area that, you know, is tried and true. You know, there's bucks wintering there or there there's bucks that winter there every year. Like, you know, the deer are there when I'm just out on the landscape whether it's shed scouting or tail in a shed season, just hoping to find a good spot. I'll pick out something on the map that I think looks good. You know, maybe it's a patch of invasives or, or an open area in the middle of a national forest. You know, it's some kind of cover break or it's a, it's an old ag field that I felt maybe had food through winter, whatever it is. I'll hit that. And like I said, I'll just walk long distance. I'm not gritting it or anything. I'm just looking for sign, looking to hopefully walk into a shed. But the number of times that has worked out and actually produce a good shed hunt where I, I, you know, find a bachelor group and I spend time and I end up picking up multiple antlers, that just happens such a low percentage of the time. And I don't want to spend those valuable two, three weeks of, of the good shed hunting doing that. That's why shed hunting is important or shed scouting is important. Sorry. Gotcha. And then, I mean... So I guess what specifically are you looking for in a, when you, when you get out there, or I guess even before you get out there, if you're doing this, uh, using, you know, a mapping app type software, or when you get out there, what, what, what are you looking for? I guess in a good shed hunting area, what kind of habitat, you know, food sources, what, what specifically, what kind of areas are you focusing most of your efforts on? The easiest thing to focus on is absolutely food. And 
that's usually where I start, especially in an area where food is very limited. So when I'm shed hunting a bunch of state or national forests, I'm not not necessarily starting with food because it's a little bit I'll find food during my shed hunt, but I can't look at a map and just nail it down. But if I'm in an area where, like I said, there's old ag fields, you know, there, there's there's if it's private land, there might be a good food plot like that's a good starting spot. And I might find sheds in that food. And, and, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I've had real good shed hunts hunting food. More than anything, that is, that's kind of the thing that anchors that property, the deer movement to that property. It's during late season when deer are concentrated, they're on a food, you know, bed to food pattern, they're going to those food sources. So if I go and check out, let's say I'm, you know, I'm shed scouting and I'll check out 10 different food sources, whether that's corn that was left standing, beans, you know, uh, cool season food plot. And I'll find which of those actually has good sign in it because they won't all. And the ones that have good sign, then I'll start nosing around and spending more time. And if I have a few weeks before deer shed, I might put up a camera and just see what kind of deer are coming to that, that food plot, say. It might just be all does and I, I don't spend much more time. Or I might see that there's a bachelor group coming there. But that food, you know, regardless, that food is a really good place to start and see what the deer activity is like in that localized area. So if I'm a, on, you know, a, an area that has 10 food plots, I would go to the one that has the best sign and start there and then and then kind of go forward from from that point. If I'm working in a bunch of state forests, national forests where there's no openings that, you know, yell food from the, the aerial view. I like to start with any other kind of cover break. So if there was a thinning operation in the last few years on a hillside, that's where I would go first, just because that probably has cover and also food, browse, woody browse on the ground. The deer, you know, will we'll spend time in feeding during late winter. I would start there. Uh, if I don't have anything like that, I have become really fond in the last couple of years in these really hilly terrains where it's just homogenous woods like nothing different looking for the most technical terrain and what i mean by that is if you look at um you really you can't use a topo map like if you use onyx or hunt stand or any of these and you look at their topo maps there's there's not enough detail just because it's generally 20 30 40 foot um distances between those lines you you need lidar data you need you need really fine data where you can see those small differences, but I will look for valleys or valley systems that have a lot of tiny spur ridges in them. And so you have the main drainage, you have side drainages, and then in those side drainages, you have a lot of little cuts. And uh, where I hunt in the central hardwoods in Indiana, same thing in North Carolina, where you run into those tiny little cuts, all those little spur ridges off the main ridge in a bowl system for whatever reason deer seem to like to spend a lot of time down in those i found that to be consistently true and um so that would be another starting spot to, you know for me so to answer that question it does depend on what the landscape looks like whether i start with food you know or cover or terrain but food if it's available is always my first choice yeah would you say that's where you found the majority of your sheds is in or around food sources? Yeah. Yes. I, I would say the majority. I've also found a lot of good sheds in bedding areas. 
and just generally high use travel corridors. But as far as the, the pure numbers, yeah, food sources and, and, and the immediate area around food stores. This is something that I've noticed is that, you know, say you have a food plot and if there's sheds in that food plot, especially if you're on public land, man, food plots get walked. I don't <laughs> want to say daily, but they're getting walked more frequently than weekly. Oh, and yeah. So you, you, you got to be there on the day that it dropped if you really want to have a chance of, of picking up on it. And most of us don't have time for that. And so a f- that food plot can still have value to your shed hunting strategy, though. And what I've found is that, you know, I might have a food plot I've picked a shed up out of. And I know there's other people that walk it. You know, maybe they're walking their dog. Maybe they're looking for sheds, but they pick up sheds. You can also find sheds off of those food plots. And so, you know, for every 10 people that walk the food plot and they might pick up a shed, I would say one or fewer, probably none, actually walk outside the food plot. And a lot of times you can find sheds in that first 20, 30, 40 yards of woods around a food plot. And it it depends on what the cover type is. You know, it it obviously is kind of landscape dependent, but I found a lot of sheds outside of fields that, you know, they probably would have been picked up because they would have been really obvious sheds. But they're they're still available there on the outside of that food. So don't, you know, don't disqualify disqualify food from your search uh, area, even if it's getting hit hard, it, it still has value. That is a starting point and you can work back from there. I would say the wide majority of people who shed hunt just walk the easy stuff. There's always more sheds to find. If, it just depends on how bad you want it. But you know, if, if there's deer coming to that food, you start there and you work back and that's just outside the food plot that's following those you know, travel corridors, figuring out where deer are bedding and spending time outside of that food plot feeding. And you can definitely pick up some more that way. Yeah. Yeah. I found, I found a lot more sheds on food plots when I used to work on the WMAs than I do. I do now that I'm just, uh, you know, going out there occasionally to, to shed hunt. Cause you know, this, this time of year, I would make it a point to, <laughs> to frequent those openings when I, when I actually worked on the WMA and you know, you could, you yeah. could catch them early, but yeah, it's it's tough, uh, and and it seems uh, I don't know what you're seeing out there, but it definitely seems to me that uh, shed hunting has gained in, a good bit in popularity over the last I don't know five, definitely ten years. But oh, it it has, and um, you know, and again, I I see most people picking up sheds in green fields, which is great. I mean, it's better than a tractor picking it up. Yeah. You know, there's still there's always still so much more opportunity out there. And it, and it comes back to, like, how bad do you want it? And if you just want to shed hunt, like there there is an endless amount of opportunity out there to shed hunt. If but if if, if you want easy sheds, it, me and my shed hunting buddy sometimes kind of draw that distinction. There's your easy sheds that so we <laughs> show up to an area. First thing we do is we're going to walk the field like everybody and we might find sheds in it. Those are your easy sheds. Those are the gimmies. And if you walk past those that walk the woods first, someone might come behind you and pick them up while you're in the woods. Like that's how frequently these areas get walked. So get your easy sheds and then spend time picking apart the the areas, you know, the deer are spending time outside those fields because they're, they're only spending a few hours in the evening and a few hours in the early morning in those fields. I mean, deer are crepuscular. So most of the time in the middle of the night, they're not going to be out in the field. They might spend a little time in and out, but they're, they're not spending 12 hours in that field. They're spending a few hours in that field. The rest of the time, they're eating other vegetation outside the field. They're eating acorns. They're eating 
you know, mushrooms are, they're bedded down. There's a lot of area out there to shed hunt. So don't get discouraged if there's not a lot of easy sheds to find. There's always other sheds out there. Oh yeah, for sure. And so what's your, what's your strategy? You know, say you've, you've looked on your, your Onyx app and you've maybe you've picked out some food sources. You go out there and, and you hit those up quick. What, what's your strategy from there? Are you, are you doing gridding or are you, I, I know, <laughs> I know personally, uh, again, I'm, I'm as much out there scouting as I am shed hunting. And, and so I find myself, I end up wandering deer trails all over the place, <laughs> you know, just follow one for a while and it'll fork and then I'll follow it off one direction or another. And uh, yeah, I just end up all over the place, but uh, what, what, what kind of strategy are you using out there? So first off, you know, if I'm in an area and I know, you know, there's a food plot, crop field, what have you, and I'm picking up sheds, I'll, I'll rewalk that field as many times as I think I need to. So I kind of get to the tail end of when 90% of bucks have dropped and usually kind of confirm that with a camera. And then from there, I'll start looking in the woods around. Um, so I don't necessarily do that, you know, throughout the season. And the reason being, you know, some people will say, oh, don't do that. You know, don't go in the woods because you'll spook the deer off. Uh, I personally don't, that, that's not a concern of mine because if there's a good food source and it's late season, deer aren't going to just leave it because you bumped them out of their bed. I mean, they're still going to go to that food source. But the reason I save it till late is because I just want to maximize that walk. When I'm out there busting through briars and walking ridges and just, you know, kind of hoofing it in that area, I, I want the highest chance that I'm going to walk into something. So I'll wait until most of the bucks have shed. And then from there, yeah, I'll, I, w- I would call it glorified scouting. I, I don't, I really don't, I don't like gridding an area and walking it like that. It, to me, it becomes so painful, like mentally painful that it's yeah. not enjoyable. And that's the whole point of me being out there. So the only time I ever really grid stuff is fields that, you know, I, I, I know sheds are in. Or if I get in a bedding area where I find a shed or two, or it's just so hot with sun, I believe they're in there, then I'll, I'll grid search it. But, you know, say for instance, I'm, I've worked off of a field and I'm a half mile away and there's a, a knob, a little ridge, point of a ridge that has a bunch of, bunch of bedding cover. So maybe it was thin. There's a bunch of multiflora rows under it. There's deer tracks and all. I would walk, you know, I would just walk a line through that, maybe walk a horseshoe through it on the best trails on the area that to me just yells deer like the area that if i were hunting it i would want to sit and you'll know it when you're there like is you're walking what calls your name what, what do you want to walk toward and i'll i'll just walk it that way and if i find something then i'll spend more time i'll walk concentric circles out trying to find the match trying to find other sheds in the area if i really like whatever cover patch that is i might grid it out and walk it and I'll kind of do that for the whole area. You know, if there's different breaks in the the forest, I'll go to those and I'll I'll see what they're about. I'll walk those. But it's more more than anything, just kind of wandering through the woods with that scouting mindset of just what calls your name as far as like this is where I think deer are and going to that and just walking through it. I think I think a really easy way to burn yourself out, especially if you're a new shed hunter is to grid an area and worse yet is to grid an area at random. <laughs> you know, I, and, and I say that not to pick on anyone. I did that. You know, when I first started out, I was like, Oh, the deer live in the, this is before I knew anything. I hadn't studied, you know, hadn't gone to school or anything. 
And I was like, oh, deer, uh, deer in the woods, right? So I go walk a grid through the woods and I'll find antlers. Well, it's, it, you can, you would spend a lot of time um, doing that and, and not find sheds. So the uh, will really benefit you to walk a lot, walk fast, cover distance, and slow down in areas where it just feels deary. And where it feels deary, hopefully there's sheds. And just spend more time in those areas. Kind of as simple as that. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys maybe that that briefly give shed hunting a try or some of these, you know, I'll see posts say, I don't, you know, I don't ever find any sheds. I I think they don't realize how much time and and uh, shoe leather, you know, you have to burn to to sometimes find those. I mean, it's not it's not like you're going out for thirty minutes or an hour and and typically and and picking up a handful of sheds. So, I mean, yeah. just kind of give them an idea what when you go on and i know it's going to vary from one time to the next but you know how, how many miles you walk in on a typical shed hunt i would say if i have a good day which is like a weekend i've got all day i'm disappointed if i'm covering less than 10 but you know a good day 12 to 14 and i'll have days like that i find zero i'll have days like that uh my best and i think this might actually be my best day ever was last weekend i found nine and i walked 12 and a half miles but i've also walked way more than 12 and a half miles in a day and not found anything you know and so i see that nine not as you know i could calculate that out and be like oh i walked one point whatever miles per shed but that's so not the case i i will look at it across the season i've started keeping track of this and i if i remember right it's about four miles on average per shed what I should do, and this would be the really interesting part, is how many miles have I ever walked consist- consecutively without finding a shed? I would wager that's probably 30 plus. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, so you, sometimes you hit one of those weeks where it's like, just, it's just not happening. You're not, you know, it's, that's when it's kind of tough to keep going. Yeah. Got to press. Yeah. But that, get that, to the good that should, that, that should give the listeners some hope though. You know, if you go, you go out one time and walk a few miles and don't find a shed, it's not, you're not necessarily doing anything wrong. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just part of the game. You know, it's all about uh, burning boot leather. And of course, you know, like you've talked about being in the right area certainly makes a huge difference, but uh, boy, it, what it boils down to is you just gotta, you gotta put the time in the time and the miles. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even in those good areas, you can easily walk four or five miles without even finding your first one, and there'd be plenty out there to find. Um, and if you were to look at the landscape, I mean, we talked about that. You mentioned that study, r- finding right at roughly forty percent of the sheds, and you know, knowing that they are there, knowing there was X number twenty, thirty, forty—I don't remember how many bucks are in that pen. Knowing they're there, you're still not going to find them all. There are, I. I Firmly believe, so I mentioned the easy sheds, there's easy sheds, there's more difficult to find sheds, and then there's unfindable sheds. <laughs> like, the, the, you know, like, unless you stepped on it, you, you wouldn't find it. And they, they're covered up with vegetation, right? They, you know, they're, they're buried up in grass, and how are you going to find it? I, I once found a shed, and it was a, it was a really good four-point side in Indiana, solid buck. And I, would, I, I don't think that shed was visible at all. Like, I, I don't think you could have, you could have seen it, even if you were on your hands and knees. And it was, it was a, I don't know, 50 inch antler. I stepped on it and it poked me in the bottom of the foot and it was buried up under a bunch of grass, you know, and it, it was a year or two old. So it was covered, but that shed 
I mean, it's still a shed out there to be found. And so you think about the years and the accumulation of sheds there on, let's say, a thousand acres, there's over a hundred sheds, a few hundred sheds, because there's an accumulation over years, but they're not all findable. So you got to keep that in mind. I, I think, you know, as, even though we're purposefully going out and looking for them, we're only finding the easy and the somewhat easy to find sheds because it's just not realistic to walk it at a small enough grid and so close to the ground that you would have to, to find some of these other ones that are just hiding. You know, they're hiding. I once found a spike that the only reason I saw it was there was about a quarter inch of the spike sticking out from the bottom of a sycamore leaf. It was completely covered by the sycamore leaf. <laughs> that, that's how small this thing was. And the only reason I found it was because I, I stopped, you know, to take a break and look down at my feet and I'm like, that looks weird. And I kicked the leaf and there was a shed under it, you know, that, um, so anyway, I, I say all that because it, it would, it's very easy to get discouraged. It doesn't matter how many you found just because they're not easy to find. It's, it's always difficult, you know? So oh, yeah. just got to stick with it. Still waiting for, waiting for somebody to come up with that shed finding app, you know, that you just point at the ground <laughs> uh, that tells you where they're at, but yeah, until then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one thing, uh, that I, I haven't heard you mention uh, the whole conversation is, uh, about how you, walk those fence crossings and in the ditch crossings, which is, you know, what you read in about every article that's ever been written on shed hunting, but yeah, uh, no, no. Uh, have, have you not had much luck with that, uh, that strategy, man? So it's funny. Cause I think I've commented on this before, maybe to you, how I think that I have never found that to be very successful. Like even when <laughs> I think about all the sheds that I found and, and think about like at random, were any of them near those features? like no i actually did find one this year i was working and i found one that you know was was laying along a ditch it was laying along a little a little ditch crossing now here's the thing i don't know if the deer is walking parallel or perpendicular to that ditch it was also near uh a food plot and so the deer was heading towards that food plot more than likely or out i'm, I'm making an assumption there but it's probably relating to that food in some way and, and dropped that shed and so it was one of those ones i you know i found um, it was it was near food, so kind of big surprise, right? That one was near near a ditch, but I um I think that you know that's one of those things that it, it makes a lot of sense. But and I won't I won't belabor the point, but I just I think there's a lot better ways um, to spend your time shed hunting, and and the biggest way is to put in the miles, put in the time, especially if you can't early season to find where deer are. Because I, I promise you, you can walk miles and miles and miles of fence line. You are not going to find near as many sheds as you would if you're walking that fence line at random than you would if you were walking in an area where you know there's a bachelor group and you know they were there during the shedding period. Therefore, you know there's sheds. That's, you know, that's the biggest pitfall of that, of that strategy. I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's any... I don't think there's anything to lose by walking a fence or a creek if it's in an area where you know there was deer shedding, but just to walk those at random, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors. I, you can waste a lot of time doing that and not even be anywhere remotely near sheds. Uh, and I know that because early on I listened to that advice and it, it you know, <laughs> never seemed to pay off. Because yeah. I, as a kid, I was like, oh, a barbed wire fence, therefore there must be sheds. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, it you know it makes it makes sense in theory, but I I can't remember any that I've found that way either. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and I'll add this too that that also, and I can't prove this by science because I don't know how we would ever actually 
do this experiment. But personally, I don't believe that antlers get loose and therefore fall off when they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not loose like a tooth. Now, how long can an antler be shed before it, before it falls off on its own? I don't know how long that is. I would bet that there's a matter of minutes, but less than an hour where those osteoclasts have weakened that junction enough that the antler would get knocked off by some kind of a jar to the head, you know, like jumping a fence or a creek. So there might be a small period there, but it's not like a bachelor group, or at least this is the way I believe it. I don't think a bachelor group is just going to cross a fence and they all lose their antlers because, <laughs> oh, knock the antlers off my head. Because those antlers are very secure. They are part of the skull. I mean, I've seen deer break the pedicle down to close to the um, close to the brain because the antlers so hard attached to the skull. I've watched enough half rack bucks run, and I'm watching them, you know, all excited in the binoculars, like just drop it, just drop it, and they don't, you know. And that's during the shedding period. I've watched them run and run. I've watched them jump across ditches jump fences and not drop that other side. And so anyway, that's kind of where that personal belief comes. And, you know, what I think I'm seeing out there is uh, I, I just think the likelihood of a deer losing its antler on a fence, maybe it's 2% greater than anywhere on the trail leading to it or from it, but it's, it's, it's by no means foolproof in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you ever factor in weather to the, to the days you choose to shed hunt? Or do you just shed hunt the days you can? I mean, Man, you know, I've heard I've heard the overcast versus sunny, you know, discussion yeah. before whether or not it's easier to to find them in one condition versus the other. So I was just curious to your thoughts on that. I I, I do love a good overcast day, and it, even if it's drizzled a little bit, you know. But I I also a firm believer in this, the same as deer hunting, is that don't overthink it. Just go if you can go, you should. You should go. And um, what I have found is that, you know, a sunny day, there's obviously changing conditions throughout the day. To me, the worst time to walk is on a sunny day is an hour or two after the sun is up until noon. And then from mid-afternoon until the sun's dipping down. There's, there's a time there where you've got really long shadows, a lot of contrast, and it makes it really, really tough. And so... If I have a sunny day, I'm going to try to walk as much as I can before the sun gets up. You know, as long as it's light enough for me to see, I'm out there before I get any of those direct sun flares and, and shadows. When the sun is, you know, at those worst stages, say I'm walking a field and that sun is just, you know, it's, it's casting a lot of shadow, a lot of contrast. First off, I'm going to slow down, slow my roll a little bit and just spend a little bit more time walking, especially if I'm walking cut corn or, or anything that's really tough to see antlers in. And I really like in those situations to have the sun at my back. I find way more antlers with the sun at my back than obviously in front of me just because of the glare, but also the shadows. I have found antlers looking into the sun, you know, so it's, it's the, the antler is essentially a shadow at that point. I have found antlers that way, but it is very difficult. And many times I've found antlers in a really sunny day, you know, with the sun at my back and I'll walk around the other side just to see what it looks like. And it is very hard to spot that antler. So what I'll do is say I've got, say, for instance, I'm walking a field and I am walking a long edge. I'll walk that edge with the sun at my back. The area where I think there's more likely to be sheds, I'll walk with the sun at my back. And then I've got to bring it back down to walk that loop. 
and I'll walk the center of the field or something like that. Or I'll just walk a much more narrow strip and space out those strips with the sun in my eyes a lot more narrowly because I can't see as well. Um, and that's, that is a way I've adapted to, to walk into the sunnies days because you can't just not go because the weather's bad. Um, but that's one way to get around it. And then, you know, again, in the evening, I love it when that sun dips down. I, you know, it doesn't matter how long I've been walking. I, that, that's just my time of day. I really like the evenings and, you know, I'll, I'll hit turbo and really go <laughs> fast and see what, see what I can't turn up in that last little bit. But yeah, those, those shadows, it, it really does make it tough. And it's, you know, if, if you had private ground and you had all the time in the world and you could wait, you know, you're definitely better off on a nice overcast day with a little rain on it. You know, just the rain, yeah. kind of I don't know, it, it kind of helps dampen everything down and makes an antler stand out even more. Yeah. Yeah. That sun can be brutal for sure. Yeah. Now, yeah. another. I, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say a, a good ball cap. I never been much of a cap wearer always just wore sunglasses but for me i hate wearing sunglasses when i'm shed hunting because i feel like i'm it's obstructing my view because i i can't see the when, when you're wearing sunglasses and it's really sunny it it dims everything down which means that shadows are dimmed down equally as much as, as bright spots and so the shadows are almost impossible to see in with sunglasses so i'll just i'll at that point put on a ball cap to keep the sun out of my eyes but <clears throat> i don't like wearing sunglasses because I without sunglasses on, I can at, at least see in those shadows while everything's so bright. I can at least see in those shadows. So, you know, pay attention to how your eyes work and how you feel most comfortable. Yeah. Well, I know another kind of related topic that, that we discussed last time you were on was uh, your affinity for taking shed hunting road trips, you know, hunt, hunting beyond just <laughs> your, your core area there. And in, in, well, in Mississippi now, but uh, you know, in, in the different spots that you mentioned earlier, which man, I, I, I love the idea. I've still yet to take one of these myself. We talked about this last time, but, uh, anyways, that, is that something you're, you're still actively doing? Oh yeah. I, I love to do it, you know, always limited, of course, by, um, the ability to go and, uh, but no, I, I still love to go on those, on those road trips. And really the, the funnest thing about it is just to get to go somewhere new, um, you know, explore something else. And I love shed hunting for picking up sheds, but honestly, when I think, you know, when I, when I really reflect on it and think about it, the, the thing I enjoy most about shed hunting is just being in the woods without a destination where I'm just there and I can walk to and through anything that interests me. And if you shed on the same area over and over year after year, yeah, you might be consistently picking up sheds, but to me, I start to lose some of that, what I really enjoy about it, which is exploring new spots. So the shed hunting, you know, going on a, a on a trip to shed hunt is really fun just to be into something new, um, explore something you've never explored before. But as I mentioned before, the biggest ways you can set yourself up for success shed hunting, I believe, is finding deer before they shed, knowing where to walk, and then knowing when those sheds are dropping. And those are the two things you can, you know, you, you definitely can't control the first one if you're in a new area. And the second one, it's tough. You know, it's tough to travel somewhere and have a really good handle on when sheds are dropping. You know, I'll do that. What I was talking about before, some social media sleuthing. There's usually other uh, excited shed hunters like myself out there who post pictures and, and are, are happy to tell you when sheds are dropping through those photos. But that, that doesn't necessarily tell you about the piece of ground you might be walking. 
And so I've traveled before and you get to an area and you walk it all weekend, you cover a lot of ground and you don't find a shed. And so you got to be kind of got to be okay with that. Like you, you got to enjoy it for the, the, the point of covering a lot of ground, seeing something new and, and maybe walking into something you've never found before, you know, a shed. But when you do all that and you don't find a shed, then you kind of walk away thinking, ah, you know, what was it? Why, why, why weren't there any sheds? Was it, there weren't any bucks there? Well, I don't know. Cause I, I, I don't have any personal experience with that ground. Was it, that they shed three weeks ago and someone else already picked it up. I don't know, but man, that thought always crosses my mind. It's like one of the first ones, you know? And so, or is it that they haven't dropped yet? And so there's, there's, that's some of the ambiguity you kind of run into with the shed hunting trip, not to discourage anyone from doing it. It's a lot of fun and I will go every chance I get, (laughs) but that seems to be a consistent theme. Is it like you just kind of run into those questions and you don't have an answer for them. I have yet to go on a, a road trip somewhere to a spot I've never been, except for out west, like looking for whitetail sheds and, and really kill it. Um, I found a few and that's enough for me. Like I, I really enjoyed that, but I've never gone somewhere and just walked into it and, and just really killed it in a spot I've never been. And I think it's for those reasons, you know, there's, there's that home field advantage. And so Every time I travel to a new area, me and my buddy Kyle, you know, we'll, we'll shed hunt something and maybe find one or two. And then we're like, yeah, there's probably some crazy guys just like us who live here and they've already been shed hunting this the last month. And that, you know, they, <laughs> they found 90% of what's out here. And, that, and that's all right. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for the, the spoils I got, but that's, you know, definitely a factor into all of that. So if you're going to go on a shed hunting trip, uh, biggest thing that I would say is really, really, really pay attention to the timing figure out when those deer are dropping in that area you want to be there right at the peak time because uh it doesn't matter how hard an area is getting shed hunted if if antlers are hitting the ground on that area at that time meaning those days those that week that you're there there's going to be antlers to find you know you, you can't pick them up that quickly so that at least allows you to, to know there'll be some success to so do that that you know on the front end figure out when sheds are dropping ask somebody, call the local biologist, you know, talk to somebody, figure it out. And, uh, you know, and then from there, it's just a matter of covering enough ground to put the odds in your favor. Yeah. Like I said, I, uh, we talked about this before, but I, I love the idea of this because, you know, I've, I've gotten to do a, a handful of out of state hunts over the years and, and those are always so much fun. I mean, obviously if you have success and, and get to, to bring some meat home with you, then all the better, but you know, it's never really about that. It, it's it's about the experience. And like you said, getting out there and getting to see new ground, something different. And uh, this kind of affords you that same opportunity, but, you know, w- minus some of the expenses, you know, <laughs> the out-of-state hunting licenses are, uh, you know, getting more and more expensive all the time. And uh, this this gives you the opportunity to get out there. And, and I'm guessing for the most part, you, you're not going to need a, a hunting license or anything like that to uh to shed hunt so yeah um, that's yeah. uh no hunting license needed you do you know obviously if you're on private ground you're good obviously with permission but there's no licensing for private ground if you're going to shed hunt on the wildlife management areas do look into those regulations i don't think i've found a state yet that you're not allowed to pick up sheds now that doesn't i haven't shed hunted them all but there are some that I'm aware of where you're required to, to buy a WMA license. And, you know, um, that 
that's fair. I mean, you're out there partaking in the natural resources of the WMA. You're enjoying the benefits of all the work uh, and money going into managing it. So in, on some of those, you, you know, depending on the state, you'll need to buy a WMA license. Yeah, yeah, that would be the case here in Georgia. Um, you, you would have to either have a hunting, fishing, or they have a uh, public lands pass, I believe it's called, which will be for an out-of-state person would be the cheaper way to go. Um, mm. for that's for WMAs. Now you could, I uh, believe you could shed hunt on national forest without any of that. But, uh, but like you said, that's going to vary from state to state. So yeah, yeah. you gotta, gotta yeah. know what, what you're getting into, but for the most part, you're probably going to, going to spend less money on a, a shed hunting trip than, than if you went out there and, uh, you know, we're, we're actually deer hunting or, or elk hunting or whatever the case may be. So. Right. Right. And if you go to, um, wildlife, National Wildlife Refuge, they almost all don't allow you to take sheds. I know of, I think, two in the country. I'm guessing there's a few more, but I know of two where you can. Very limited. So I, I, I pretty much don't even pay attention to them. National Forest, State Forests, and WMAs are, are the, the state ground that you can go to. State parks are almost always a no-go um, for the same reason, not allowed to take any kind of natural artifacts off of them. Again, that varies by state, but I don't I don't believe I've found a state yet that allows you to take sheds from a state park. So yeah, hmm. don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yes. Don't want to get in trouble for any of this for sure. You know, know, know what you're getting into. Yeah. Not so uh it. so do you have any you have any trips planned for this year? Nothing super crazy. I mean, I've I've been down here shed hunting around uh, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and I will be spending some time in Indiana. I hope, hopefully that will be real fruitful. And then after that, I, I, I really don't know. I would love to get out west and shed hunt this year. I try to do that every single year is just go to somewhere new out in the mountains and, and look for something. And don't know for sure if that's going to happen. But um, so far, the last year was a really tough shed hunting season for me. And I think I only found... 22 or something 20 maybe uh so i'm almost there this year so i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty happy to, to be on track to, to definitely surpass that and kind of get back to my normal numbers and just going to take it as it comes but we've only got probably two weeks three weeks of good shed hunting here in mississippi so when the time comes here the antlers are just starting to drop i'll be really trying to get after it and uh it, it goes really quickly from a lot of speculation and optimism to it's over, you know, and, and then it's like, ah, okay, it's, it's hot and it's time to just work through the summer and wait till deer season. Yeah. Well, how, how many, uh, how many states are you up to now that you've shed hunted? Man, I think I've shed hunted around 20, maybe low twenties, but I've, I've got sheds out of, I don't know, 18, 17, 18, something like that. It's been a little bit since I've, I've done that count. I, I recently added uh, Alabama to that. And I'm just kind of slowly whittling away at it. I'm not, I'm not in any big rush. I'm, I'm just kind of playing that out long term. But yeah, eventually, eventually that number will be fifty. <laughs> uh, it'll take a little bit though. Yeah. Well, that's that's a cool, cool, uh, cool goal to have. Yeah. Now, now, you know, obviously you've you've talked about you've you've shed hunted here in the South and Mississippi and Alabama, and uh, you've shed hunted in the north or at least i know you said indiana and i know you've done some other states what i guess what kind of differences regional differences have you seen as far as uh you know finding sheds 
Well, first off, up, up in the Midwest, one big thing that really factors into it is pressure. And in the Midwest in general, there's just been so much more media around shed hunting for longer. I think that's what drives this, but there's a lot more shed hunting pressure up there. It's absolutely growing in the South. You know, the South was a lot slower just in the shed hunting craze, I feel like, but it, it's, it's increasing down here, but still not nearly to what it, what it is in the Midwest. I mean, if you go to a random wildlife management area in the Midwest, there's someone out there shed hunting probably the day you're there. Yeah, I don't know how many people are out there, but they're out there. And then, you know, down here in the South, I think there's still some wildlife areas that maybe don't get shed hunted, you know, that, that kind of get overlooked. But so that's a, that's a really big thing. So that factors back into timing. You've got to really have your timing dialed, you know, in those areas where people are hitting it hard. The landscape plays a huge role in where the fine sheds. And let's just think about this from a private land shed hunting perspective. If you're in the Midwest and, and you're in that, really fragmented landscape where you've got 15, 20 acre woodlots separated by hundreds of acres of uh, row crop and then another woodlot, you're going to concentrate on the edges of, you're going to concentrate on those woodlots and the edges around them because everything else is, is pretty much at random. So you're there, you're concentrating on, on cover and the food adjacent. And you could pretty well walk all the cover in the Midwestern landscape is really fragmented. In the southeast, it's the dead opposite. Like it kind of comes back to where I start. You know, I, I start with food because that's usually good food is is the most limited thing in the southeast because we have cover everywhere. I mean, it's it's the oh, it's yeah. so so opposite from the Midwest, and you know, it, it comes it's the same thing as like hunting. It's it, we don't have little pretty pinches between woodlots. I mean, we have huge features where your pinch might be the edge of of two pine stands coming together, and so. That's why I generally focus more on food in the South. And then from there, I work to those cover blocks. And so it, it kind of changes the direction in which I work. The other thing is density of deer. If you're in that Midwestern, really fragmented landscape, deer get concentrated down very, very heavily into those woodlots, into any kind of permanent cover on the landscape. Because so much of the surrounding acreage goes from summer cover and food to nothing. In the South, we don't have that. And so bachelor groups are much more widely distributed across the landscape. It might seem like random, but they're, they're a lot more um, just evenly spread out. In the Midwest, you have a better chance of concentrating down on numerous bachelors. I've, I've found fields in, uh, you know, in, in the Midwest where I've, I've shed hunted and found antlers off of more than a dozen bucks in the same field. And I, I feel like that's more than one bachelor group. That's probably several getting concentrated down there. Um, in the in the South, that just doesn't seem to be the case. I, and, and maybe that's why I've, I've heard this over the years in the South. People say, oh, the squirrels eat them up and, you know, they, they rot away and you can't even find them. Well, that's not true. The people in the Midwest complain about the squirrels eating them there. And I've it's happened to me in both places. I've also found old intact sheds, very old intact sheds in both the Midwest and the South. They're, the sheds are there. It, it, it's kind of the landscape and how that dictates how deer use cover late in the season that will affect the density of sheds and shedding animals. So think about those things, you know, depending on where you're at. And I'm using two very distinct examples there. And there's everything in between. We also have that very fragmented landscape uh, similar to the Midwest here in Mississippi in our Delta region where 
it's almost all ag with very small woodlots. And I know there's other places in the Midwest that are, you know, dominated by forests. You know, don't let that be lost on you. It's, it's more about the cover diversity and the juxtaposition of cover and food that will affect the density of deer on the landscape and, and I, the density of deer on these areas where they might be shedding. But this is a really big factor. Well, I guess as we kind of wrap things up here, uh, obviously you've touched on this throughout our whole conversation, but just for the for the first time shed hunter, somebody that wants to get out this year and, and give it a try, you know, what what would be that just you know, I guess one or two takeaways to those tips to maybe help them find their, their first shed or two this season. Uh, number one thing. And I think I always say this is you got to find the bucks to find the sheds and find bucks around the time of year when they're shedding, not to be confused with deer season. It needs to be, you know, that month when, when bucks are shedding, if you can figure out where there are bachelor groups of bucks, then it's really just a matter of getting out there and looking for them from there. And then you can, then you can start to get into the nuances of, you know, looking in this type of cover and looking in food and, and all that kind of stuff. And you'll figure that out as long as you've got sheds to find and you know, they're there, you know, you, you can find them just by spending time in the woods and, and just walking a lot. And, you know, that's the other, the other big thing is don't give up when you don't find one. And sometimes it takes quite a bit of time. Just keep walking and uh, you should eventually run into some sheds. Yeah, and honestly, that first one is probably my biggest problem. Is because again, a lot of time I'm getting I'm going out there with with scouting in mind, and so I'm like looking at areas where the deer were during season, and not necessarily where they were or where they are now. Yeah, you know when they're dropping those antlers, which is can be two totally different areas. Yeah. So so yeah, I know that's that's something I need to work on as far as specifically shed hunting is is to make sure i'm in in those areas where you know there's fresh sign and and that's where the deer are using now not you know back in november or december right and there can be a huge difference between those two and sometimes they're the same it's it's just kind of situational uh dependent there yeah well mariah man i appreciate appreciate your time uh, i enjoyed it as always and uh Definitely be watching watching your social medias to to see uh, how your your shed hunting success goes this season, and uh, yeah, for for those who might want to connect with you or, or keep up with what you're doing uh, online, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so uh, Instagram Mariah Bio, I'll just spell it out: M O R I A H underscore biologist. That's my Instagram handle, and um, I you know I I usually will post stories and stuff when i get into a shed hunting spot that's working out i get all excited and start posting stuff but i, I don't normally post that much and if people want to keep up with what i do for work I, I work for a wildlife management company also on instagram wildlife investments and we're just a team of wildlife scientists uh, from all across the southeast doing uh deer management turkey management all of it and um net, not posting uh shed hunting stuff there but the, the wildlife management thing so that that's where i that's where i post stuff and i'm excited excited to get out there the next couple of weeks and and you know mix it up with the the sheds and i hope everyone else is too yep it, it's that time it's time to uh yeah get out there and get some get some fresh air stretch your legs and uh yeah see if you can't find, pick up a, a shed or two along the way that's right Good luck to everybody out there and good luck to you too, Brian.
Yep. Thanks. You too. All right, guys, that wraps up our interview with Mariah Boggess. Uh, thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show. You know, you can find us on all the popular podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, and, and several more. So about anywhere you could listen to, uh, listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us there. Or you can just go to DeerAssociation.com slash podcast and subscribe directly from our website. Uh, hey, we'd also love it if you take just a second to leave us a five-star rating or a written review. You know, those both help us uh, climb the, the podcasting charts and be more visible to, uh, to future listeners. So we would appreciate any support you could give us there. For more information about the National Deer Association, you can visit our website, again, at DeerAssociation.com. From there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter and, uh, hey, just enjoy some of our several hundred articles of, of free content right there on our website, covering everything from hunting strategy to food plots, habitat improvement, um, deer management, you name it. Uh, if it's deer hunting or deer management related, we got some good content right there on our website available to you. So check that out. And, of course, you can always find us on all the popular social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Deer Association. So again, thanks for listening to the Deer Season 365 podcast, the podcast where deer season never ends. Mm -hmm.